0: Hi, this is Bryson Stott, first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Phillies, and you're listening to the High Hopes Podcast with James Seltzer and Jack Fritz. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP.
1: Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack, that was not as exciting a yo. For obvious reasons, the only reason there was any excitement to that yo was because of how freaking amazing High Hopes Night was. Uh, but otherwise, disappointed yo coming there, Jack.
0: I'm just really excited to talk about this Phil's baseball team. Oh my, can uh, we just
1: spend the whole time talking about High <laughs> Hopes Night? Because because that was awesome. Minus what the team did on the field, and I will say, Nick Pabetta getting the loss on High Hopes Night is just the most on-brand thing that has ever happened. Um, and
0: him him getting cheered relentlessly on the way in. It's the most sure. he's ever
1: gotten cheered. Our entire section went nuts. And let's just start there, because that's way more fun. We'll get into the disappointment that is our Philadelphia Phillies. They're back, as Jack likes to say. Um, we'll get into that. But first, uh, shout out to everyone who came out to High Hopes Night. We had people coming from North Carolina, from Virginia. There were so many people there um i jack i don't know about you but everyone was so awesome there were so many great people who were just big phillies fans and and super excited to be there and i i was humbled i was um it was really it was one of the best nights i've had and uh it was just i i can't uh, we always say the high hopes listeners are the best listeners but now we have factual evidence real proof because we've hung out with them high hopes listeners are the best listeners in the world
0: so what James is saying is that High Hopes Night was a was a bigger success than his daughter being born. Um, it was, <laughs> he had he had more he had more fun um, at High Hopes Night than at than when his daughter got born. Um, High Hopes Night was incredible, and I think the um, I think the the correct culture that I hope that we have instilled in in our people is smart baseball people that love the sport. And just want a good baseball team to follow. Um, unfortunately, the Phillies have not been been uh, helping us in that in that regard. But High Hopes Night was incredible. Um, everyone was so nice, and uh, I, I think it's, I, I I walked away from last night thinking like this is just the start. So um, even if you didn't come this time, which is fine. I mean, obviously people are from all over the country or whatnot. You don't have to <laughs> be from country slash world. Uh, of course, the whole, the whole entire world. Um, it will not be the last High Hopes Night, High Hopes event. But the people that came, I mean, thanks for making the first one so special. And uh, unfortunately, the team did not come through for us,
1: no. But again, if they weren't going to come through, at least Nick Pavetta got a big loss on the night. Oh. That just felt like the right thing for the night, but um, I think you nailed it. And look, I, I, um, we are definitely doing that again, and it's going to be bigger and better next time. And for thank you to Cindy Webster, obviously, who made the night so much better, Scott Fransky coming and hanging out he was like what the hell did you guys get me into as we had like 30 people walk over to see him in the bottom of the uh, top of the fifth inning he was super cool um just just a uh, awesome experience we got to sing high Hopes on the the fan vision it was a it was a really unique and awesome experience and and the thing that that, that like kind of that you led to there that the thing that made it the best of, of all was just how awesome everybody was. I mean, I I had so many great conversations with so many great people, and um, it was just a blast. So thank you, everyone, like Jack said, for coming to that first one and making it special. But if you couldn't come, there will definitely be more, and they will be bigger and better, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. All right. Jack, uh, let's dive into. With to, that being said,
0: let's talk, yeah, let's talk about this yeah, baseball team.
1: Let's let's let's. With that being said, do we have to? Do we have <sighs> to? Let's just talk about how the fanatic came by our section. Let's just talk about now. All right, let's talk about the team. Uh, they won on Friday. That was
0: cool. Yeah, and it was like one of those games. Like usually, when a when a team has a game like Thursday, they have an emotional high, and they'll go into the next night, and they'll kind of just be a little bit out of it. You know, they'll they'll kind of come out flat a little bit coming off the emotional high of the game before. And for them to come out and just play a really solid baseball game, it was just a really just a good game. Um, And, and to, to lay it down again, like, like I, I thought, honestly, once they won Friday night, I was like, OK, go time. Like go it time. is go time. Yeah. And then and then Saturday happened and I was like, well, this is fine. You can lose one. Just just win. Just win on Sunday. Just win on Sunday and everything's fine. And then for them to come out today and just lay just lay a dud, and Bryce has to leave with exhaustion or dehydration. Dehydration. Um, and it was He gave like, us
1: everything he had, Jack.
0: Yeah, right. I, I didn't watch the post game, but I I assume that's what he said. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even have to. I didn't have to watch the post game because I knew that's what it, that was. What his answer was going to be, but. Like it was, it, it's just like this. This freaking team, man, they can't just go on a run. They're 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 allergic to it. They hate
1: like them. The, They hate runs, Jack.
0: They'll win four, they'll lose one, two in a row, and then they'll win like three, and then they can never just string together runs. They can never just build momentum. They can never just just take advantage of an opportunity in front of them. And like I I was today was one of those games where I was just upset the whole like from seventh inning on. Because it was like you have a golden opportunity. The Padres had lost 19 of 30 games coming out of the All Star game. Like they are not a good team. Fernando Tatis Junior. is probably done for the year. Like that's what we're talking about. Um, and I just I I it was so disheartening, and it was just I just I, I I can't believe that they just will not go on a run. Like they're they're in a stretch right now where they're primed for a run. They got two against the Red Sox. And then they go Marlins Pirates like this was the time to kind of start gaining some ground. All you had to do is beat the Padres. And they didn't beat the Padres because this team is just maddening and they do this all the time. They they, they just won they just are allergic to going on a run. They didn't know they weren't allowed to win. they didn't know they were allowed to win 5 games in a row which we saw on Saturday night. And then they come out today and just lay an absolute dud. I just Ba- the Phillies are back. Uh, they're they're the the minor Charlie Magic was a lot of fun, but this team <laughs> uh, this team is who they are, and and they are who we thought they were, yeah. as the the late Dennis Green would say.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, look. Well, it's one of those things where. And and to your point about the run, it's it, it, it Mets, uh, Reds after that. I mean, it's it was really set up and it's still look. Theoretically, it still could be if they can find a way to go on a run. I'm not saying that <laughs> well, it's impossible. Well, they just they hate them So I'm not expecting it. But when you look at well, the, the
0: overwhelming evidence, suggests that's my point. That's literally what I was about to say.
1: I was going to say there are 38 games left in this season. Why should we ever believe they're going on a run this year? Like it, it's silly to it's folly and if they couldn't go on a run, if they couldn't take that that Harper Grand Slam game, that moment, Charlie's return, all that coalescing. Like we as fans knew it. We said it. We said, now's the time. Um they got they got you to go all in even before the Harper Grand Slam. Then I'm all in after the Harper Grand Slam. Everyone's all in again. And and then they just do what they do. This is what they do all season long. They will play like a team that looks like a talented capable major league team for a game or two or three or at the most four and then they show up with these duds again where they can't hit and they can't play and all of a sudden it's like like it's just it's infuriating it honestly i don't know if it's it's more fun than watching a team that just stinks (laughs)
0: You
1: know, because it's... Wow. I mean, you know what I mean, though, because it's just so, it's so, like, because you never know what you're going to get, and you expect, you expect, and they keep, dare I say, raising your hopes to make them high, and then just keep crushing them back down, at least with a bad team, you know, you you root for youngsters and say, all right, what do I have for the future? And I really, look, I'm not saying I wish the Phillies were worse, because I don't, but... They are a maddening team. And we've talked about it a lot this year. And we talked about it prior to that Harper home run. And then we were like, maybe this is the time where they stop being that maddening team. That team that, like you said, Jack, I joked about it in the last pod we did. The the, When are people going to get on board with this team? Is it going to be a week from the playoffs and they're a game out? And and everyone's saying, fire Kapler and all that stuff. And we thought, we said, all right, the Harper home run, all that. And it felt like everyone was on board. And it was like, let's. Effing go, and then we got that this weekend. Like so, it's just that's who they are. That is who they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 done. I'm done getting my hopes up. I, I'm never gonna believe in this team until they until they actually. Well, that's not true. I, I I'll eventually talk myself into them going around. You do a, run, a, a like, Harper
1: a Harper walk off on Tuesday and you're back in stop. Uh, I know. Well, they can't walk off on Tuesday
0: because it's in Boston. But you know what I mean. In my head in my head i will not believe in this team until mentally actually show it cuz it's it's just not worth getting heartbroken again like they they are the most heartbreaking team i've followed in a while it's like they have the talent they win a game they look great they have the big moment like most baseball teams most baseball teams capitalize on the harper grand slam and most baseball teams ride that wave and get themselves into a playoff run this team big moment win a game after that and then just goes back into the tank. It's it's absolutely crazy. And the, the the most frustrating part was like if they were losing these games over the weekend, um, like eight five, or they're getting above four runs and they're still not doing it, then I'd be more frustrated because I I would say look, the front office let this team down. The front office did nothing at the deadline, and the offense is starting to round into form and. And them being asked to carry a pitching staff with Drew Smiley, Jason Vargas, Vince Velasquez, uh, <laughs> the corpse of Zach Eflin, um, it's like it, it would have been unfair. But what happened this weekend was that the offense is back to being inconsistent and and overall just maddening. I mean, the offense, like I was thinking, I was looking at the first six in the in their in their lineup. It's a really tough first six when when you lay it out on paper, like Hoskins. Real Muto, Harper, Segura, Dickerson, Kingry, thats a good six. And for them to put out three runs on Saturday and what, like two runs today, it was just—it's it, that's that should not be possible with the talent that they have in this lineup, and especially with how hot JT Real Muto is, how hot Gene Segura is. Um, like it, it's it's un- oh, and then obviously at the guy at the top of the lineup who has just been a disaster. <laughs> like, like. Horrible! A
1: disaster. Like, I mean, he's he's the worst hitter on the team, like easily right now.
0: Well, uh, did you see my tweet about his second half stats? No, how bad are they? Uh, in the second half, see, he's bad. I
1: think he said he's a one seventy four. I think I saw that somewhere. Is that right?
0: Yeah, he's batting one seventy four oh. with a three with three twenty four OBP, a three forty eight slugging percentage, oh. which is crazy. Oh. Yeah, oh. six six seventy two OPS and four homers.
1: Oh my God! The sub 400 slugging is something.
0: It's disgusting. And I uh, thought that I, I thought I thought if there's one guy that that Charlie Manuel could really influence, it would be Reese Hoskins, because I, I just think that he's the kind of guy that Charlie would love to work with because he has all the raw power. Um, and I think I think the thing that sucks for Reese right now is is that John Maley almost neutered him and turned him into a dead pull hitter. Like I was watching. Uh, I figured he was facing in like the seventh or the sixth, and it was like 95 mile an hour fastball in the outside corner. And even though he was fouling them off to the right and, and whatnot, like his approach was to try to pull those balls. So he's leaning towards trying to pull an outside fastball. It's a 95 mile an hour plus. And he's just not like if his approach was thinking right center field gap, he is driving that ball into the seats. So his like they, they've almost effectively cut off half the plate for three Hoskins. Like, like. If you're a pitcher facing Reese right now, all you have to do is throw the ball in the outside corner to a fastball. and He's trying to pull it so hard that you're you're gonna generate soft contact. Like I can't remember the last time Reese Hoskins like legitimately drove a baseball. I mean, even even in that Dodgers series where he had the 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 big time hit late in the game, it was a dribbler down the first first baseline.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was off the end of the bat. If and it, and if they didn't have the shift on, it probably wouldn't have gotten through normally.
0: Like he should be a guy. He should be a guy that you should never be able to get away with a fastball up and away because he's hitting it to the right center field gap, and he's just hitting line drives for days. And I just think that the Phillies coaching staff has done such a disservice to Reese Hoskins trying to turn them into turn him into a dead pull, uh, thirty five to forty home run like just trying to be a a launch guy because I think he is such. He is such a better hitter than a, a 250 400 OBP guy. Like I think he could be, I think he could be a two eighty to three hundred hitter if he just uh, went back to trying to be a line drive right center field gap guy. I just think that what the Phillies have done with him this season is, has been such a disservice to the talent that Reese Hoskins has.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's certainly bearing out on the field. He's been just, again, the worst hitter on the team. Really, uh, I mean. If you gun your head and say, would you rather have up in a, a big spot right now, Reese Hoskins or Logan Morrison, I think you'd have to say Logan Morrison, obviously, depending <laughs> oh, yeah. on the handedness of the pitcher and whatnot. But, I mean, right? I, I don't know. I, in this specific moment, I, you know, you need to see more from Reese. And I do, to your point about Charlie, I am willing to give Charlie a little more time with that because I, I totally agree with you. I think that, that Reese is the exact type of thing that Charlie could, could fix because, Reese we know, Reese is much better here than this. We've seen him do it. This is, he is just mired in the worst slump of his professional career, certainly of his major league careers. We've seen him go cold, and, that, and we know that that's the type of guy Hoskins is, where you know he'll go hot and cold, and the hots make the colds worth it. But he's never been this cold for this long. I mean, this is. It's really unreal to watch, and it's, it's a shame. But I, I'm gonna look off day tomorrow. Another off day on Thursday. Charlie theoretically should have a lot of time to work with Reese, a lot of opportunity at least. Who knows? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna still hope beyond hope that because oh, the other thing with Reese we've seen in the past is he is someone who can make an adjustment on on a dime almost, and and it can change yep. everything. So. I'm still somewhat. It's not crazy, I think, to be somewhat bullish that there's at least the possibility that this is not how his season will will just play out.
0: I mean, you could you could make the case that Reese Hoskins getting on a hot streak is the difference between this team making the playoffs yeah. or not making it's the playoffs. It's a great point. I mean, Reese Hoskins could be a, like. Imagine this lineup right now if Reese is firing all his not firing all cylinders, but not being the worst player in baseball. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's and, it's sad because it's true. Uh, so if you if you can get Hoskins going. With real Muto, who I just feel like every time he put swings, it's a barreled up baseball. Um, and by the way, like this is like we said it last podcast, but this is the JT real Muto, real Muto the Phillies traded for. Oh, he's been like, awesome. He's been he's been unbelievable. Like if he did this, if he did this for like a two month stretch, he'd be in the MVP consideration. He's he's like he's fifth in the NL in WAR. Like JT Real Muto is having a a really really good season, um, and I. Jt Jt is one of those guys that I just love watching play baseball. Like the play today where he uh, back picked the second base when he's a little bit too far off. Like that's just that's just good heads up baseball. Um, and if you can get him going with Harper, who's obviously been good been good for a little while now, toe tap Harper. Um, if you can get Hoskins to go with those two, like that is an offense that is tough to get out. That is that is a full lineup of guys that are just. Tough to get out, can drive the baseball out of the ballpark, work pitches, work counts, and when Hoskins is in this kind of slump, like it just makes everything look way worse than it is.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very with you. It is, it is the exact type of thing that can change the course of the season, especially because we know how hot he can get. Like when he's <laughs> logged in, we know that he can. He's the kind of guy who can carry your team for a week and all that type of stuff. So, um, and and again, just to your original point that kind of led to this discussion, just the fact that. Against that Padres team, and don't get me wrong, uh, that Munoz to Yates, eighth to ninth inning combo is... Disgusting. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. But they have to be able to score more runs against this Padres team when you're coming off the the four-game win streak that you've had with Charlie here, with the spark, with the excitement, with the lineup you have, with the stakes, with, with what's at stake, with the importance. And especially in today's game, in the Sunday game when... When Jason Vargas has, does what he's pretty much done as a Philly, you know, two innings, five, close to six innings, like he's been very solid. Um, but then you get, I mean, you're getting big outs from Mike Moore and, and Blake Parker and guys like that. Again, as we've talked about, the fact that Jared Hughes, who gave up the home run today, but, you know, also got a big out and whatnot. But Hughes, you're getting... Hughes and Mike Morin and and Blake Parker are high-leverage guys for this team. They weren't wanted. They were literally on the scrappy, picked up off waivers, and these guys are pitching in the seventh and eighth inning of tie games. I mean, that is astounding to think about, that a team that is competing for a playoff spot has guys pitching in the seventh and eighth inning of tie games, of one-run leads, of whatever— that they just picked up off the wire—that's astounding. So when you actually get good outings from those guys, or you get enough from those guys, and they're piecing it together, I mean, you can't miss those opportunities, you know? Because because those guys aren't going to always go out and give you good innings. They're going to get hit up. So uh, it's just if the, the, this as we—it feels like a broken record because we keep saying it. But the only chance this has team this team has is for this lineup to carry them and. You know, we just haven't seen any sort of consistent play from this lineup all season long.
0: I just find – I find the bullpen thing to be so funny. Like, you have the Padres, who I'm pretty sure everyone that comes in is like 95 mile an hour plus. Easy. Easy. And then the the Phillies, it's like they're relying on 71 miles an hour from Mike Morin's changeup. They're starting Jason Vargas, whose curveball comes in at 69, and his fastball is like 81 to 82. Like – I just can't believe that in 2019 the Phillies are relying upon soft tossers both in their bullpen and in their starting rotation to try to get to a, a playoff, to try to get to a one-game playoff. It's like unreal. That, it's 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 uh, it is crazy.
1: I mean, Munoz nope. is pumping in 100 miles an hour. Like every time he throws it, it's like, what what are we doing here?
0: Right, the Phillies the Phillies can't find that if they tried. Like what the it's such more and more as the season goes on. It just shows how far behind they are, just as an organization. Like they haven't been able to develop a relief pitcher. Like they brought JD Hammer, and JD Hammer wasn't even good. And everyone's like, "Oh well, like what could JD Hammer? He's interesting." Like Rangers Suarez is a guy that they're turning into a bullpen piece. Throws like ninety one, ninety two. Like they're 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 just such they're just such bad players. Like they're just not good players. they Vinny Velasquez throws ninety three miles an hour. Like what do we like? He's supposed to be Vinny Velo. he there's ninety three. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great like, point. Like that's that's what I don't get. It's a great point. Like like, what kind of modern baseball team? What kind of modern baseball team is employing soft tossers in both the bullpen and the starting rotation? It's because they're it's because those are the guys that are available and they're the guys that can physically take the ball every day. Like they'll take the ball, but it doesn't mean like like. The fact that this bullpen is pieced together by a bunch of Guys from teams who are just don't want these guys anymore. It's so damn, it's so damning on that's my point.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, and it's not even all like, yeah, Mike Morin was a twin, but the bullpen is by far the worst part of the twins. The Reds didn't want Jared Hughes, the freaking Angels and twins both didn't want Blake Parker. I mean, this is not like we're talking about, oh, he couldn't make it on the Yankees or something or some team that has a Really high level bullpen. I mean, these are scrap heap guys, and they're pitching crucial innings. They're the go to guys for this team right now. It's it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and I think Jared Hughes he kind of he's kind of fallen victim to uh, the the launch angle movement because he's a guy that relies on that sinker down and in totally. And what everyone does now, and why why you see so much more velocity up, is because you can't you can't lift those balls, so. With Hughes now, with everyone going towards the launch angle approach, like he's just, he's trying to live down in that down and in corner, and guys are just golfing the ball out of the ballpark, which because is watching, what we saw Austin
1: Edges do. That's exactly what he did today. He just went out, got it, and golfed it out.
0: Right. And just watching Hughes today is like, oh, that's why he's been available because, because teams just have a game plan now where they can lift the ball off the off them. Um, and the only time he got out was when he kind of raised that sinker a little bit, but when you raise the sinker, it kind of loses the, it, its movement in a way. So that's not great, but I, at least, at least Hughes has done it before and is decent. Like Mike Morin, I, I can't believe he doesn't get squared up. Like that is a, that is a, a T ball pitch. The the, 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 change up, um, it's just crazy. It's crazy the team that they've tried to assemble, and they have to do. They have to do such a better job institutionally on building a like you can. You need starters, obviously, but you can also develop bullpen pieces, and they have just done such a terrible, terrible job at doing this. Well, like it's. It should not take you four years to find some decent bullpen. Pieces. No,
1: and that, well, and also again, it, it it comes back to like you said, the institutional thing that, like, again, we always talk about it, but we do it for a reason. But like, look at the Dodgers, who like they have guys who like Julio Urias and and Stru- Stripling and all that type of guys that were they can just like who could be starters or relievers and be effective in both roles for them. They have, just have so much depth and talent. Well,
0: Dustin May Dustin May's going there now. Like, yep. He's going to do the bullpen. Of
1: course he du- is. And he's, Dustin- I guarantee you Dustin May is going to pitch big playoff innings for them, and he's going to be a
0: difference maker. He's awesome. Dustin-, Dustin May would be our two-starter.
1: In a second, in a heartbeat. Yeah.
0: It's not even a take. It's just a fact. It's a fact, yes.
1: Yes. Uh, so, all right. So not much else to say really i mean is there anything else that sticks out from the weekend other than just the massive disappointment that they got us all back on board and then lost two straight and put up five runs
0: uh it was yeah i i got i got nothing yeah. it, 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 it's it goes hard, back it was, to, yeah it I'm literally sorry. just goes back to me thinking about uh, thinking about <laughs> the future and thinking about this team being smart and just being frustrated at the overall lack of um uh, of any kind of development of bullpen pieces, it just it, when they lose games like this, it automatically just brings out depressed Jack and thinking about how they've messed this whole thing up. I it, it was nice to get away from that for a little bit with the Bryce Harper um, uh, Grand Slam, um, but we, it was almost taking our eyes off of the main prize, which was how frustrating and uh, just damning the Matt Klintzak era has been.
1: Good times. At least he signed an extension, Jack. Uh, oh, had to <laughs> had to do that as soon as possible.
0: Let me yeah. fire. Well, Where you say they're not? They're not going to sit on their hands at the deadline. They're gonna. They're gonna do everything they can yeah, to, they to get a team to the playoffs. Yeah. They
1: believe. Um. So, all right. So let fun. me fire a couple things at you before we look ahead uh, to what's coming up here. Uh, by the way, did, have we mentioned that High Hope's night was amazing? Because that was that was great. Yep. I, uh, I still got my voice. Is still gone. In case you can't tell um all right a uh, couple things i want to fire at you one um i it's gonna shock you though like so are you you're sitting down while you're recording yeah i just want to make sure you're okay i want to make sure you're you're ready for this because this is the guy you might be silent for a bit i don't know how you're gonna process this because it is the most shocking thing that's ever
0: happened. Uh, here we go just get it out of the way what do you what do you gotta say
1: roman quinn's hurt
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) And
1: it's a shame. And I'm bummed about it because for the first time in this kid's entire career, I was actually excited to have him on the major league roster. I was actually enjoying the Roman Quinn experience saying, all right, like, this guy can give you something. And then, of course, Mr. Glass.
0: What do you think Roman's reaction was? like? It guess to a point where he's got to be like, "Are you like, are you freaking kidding me?" He's got to be like, "Really?" He's
1: got to be like, really? Yeah. "Really?" Like, seriously, is this is this actually happening? That would be Again. the response. Like, no, this is not real. I don't believe it. He's too fast
0: for his own well, body. He's like,
1: he's like the Mr. Glass. He's Samuel L. Jackson from Unbreakable and and the new movie they made. That's who he is. He just breaks at any point. It's unbelievable.
0: I mean, the the fact that he he even made it to the to the walk off celebration was surprising. You know. <laughs> It's, it's a real shame, though, because he, he can be such a weapon if they use him in the right roles. Like, he can be such a guy you can throw in the eighth inning, throw in the ninth inning, steal you a base, and kind of change the game from that standpoint, lay down a really nice bunt. Like It wasn't even the bunting or that kind of stuff. Like, he was legitimately hitting well in August, and I thought he could have legitimately helped his team down the stretch run. If you wanted to play um, If you wanted to play Quinn in center and, and Kingery at third and Hazley or whatever to figure that out, I didn't hate that plan. And now, unfortunately, he's hurt again. Um, but it' because he, he, I really thought he was kind of developing into a a nice little weapon for this team. And unfortunately, I mean, I mean, fate is fate. This is what he, this is what he. Much like the Phillies, this is what this team does. This, this is what Roman Quinn does. <laughs> Back to
1: being Roman Quinn. I'm with you, and it's a shame. He has. He was really playing good baseball. I'll be even flashing some pop. I mean. Um, and, and just starting to steal bases. And he's just, he is a weapon. He does give you certain things that, that other people don't. And, uh, again, for the first time in his career, you, you and I have both been on the, there, there are a lot of people who have been heavy on the Roman Quinn bandwagon for a long time, and you and I have not really been on that bandwagon, but I was digging him. I've been digging him for the last month, whatever it is, and uh, it's a shame. All right, one more thing I want to fire at you, just because uh, we know the city that we live in. We know people who talk in this city. This is a thing that's going to be a thing, so I figure we should just get out in front of it, and I want to get your take on it right away. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah, Brian Snicker sits Ronald Acuna. Acuna doesn't run a ball out to first. People are already making the Capler comps on Twitter and all that. Where do you come down on this situation? On What Snicker did and on the fact that you know that it's going to be talked about here?
0: This may surprise you. But I absolutely loved it. Me it was, too. Me too. It's, it, it's, it's a part of managing. It is a part of managing. And here's my main takeaway from it was this, was that baseball players, no. Baseball players are not stupid, okay? And I think that Gabe has tried to make them stupid in a way. Like, even the postgame stuff, I don't really care about that. But Oh, he's I'm proud
1: a, of him. He's proud of them today, Jack. He's proud uh, of the way they fought.
0: The so, Reese Hoskins zero yeah. for four.
1: He was proud, man. They fought. They grinded in that ninth when they did nothing. When they th- they struck out three times, but they grinded.
0: Well, I mean, I'll give him a little bit of a little bit of benefit. I mean, like they did they did get what nine pitch at bat and ten pitcher back and back.
1: Gene Segura grinded. Sure.
0: Listen, I, I'm with Gabe there. Okay. Team Gabe. Team Gabe. No, but um. Like those, that's that's a part of managing, and you can't be afraid to do that to your players because it, it builds accountability and it makes it, your players respect you. And 100%. that's what my main my main problem with Gabe is that I, I just don't think these players respect him. I think they like playing for him, but they, they there's there's no there's no I don't want to say fear because it shouldn't be fear, but there's no like ramifications for any of their actions. Um, and it's accountability
1: be- you need accountability.
0: Right. Well, and if you bench your star player, then it kind of sets a message to everyone else. I of mean, course, whole- it
1: does. It sets a tone.
0: And ultimately, it's going to make that guy better. That's the most frustrating thing for me is that it's going to make that guy better. He's going to know that I can't do that scenario or else I'm going to be out of the game. And uh, I I just think that I think Gabe is too caught up in like, well, you know, we're going to take out our best player here in a game that we absolutely need. Like, that's not the smartest tactical decision to make, but it's not about that game. It's about setting the tone. It's about setting the culture. It's about all that stuff. And for for him to, he he just he, he just refuses to do it, and it, it's not it's not how you build a winning culture. It's not how you build a winner. Um, and unfortunately, I just I just I wish he would get it. I just don't think he's ever gonna get that.
1: I agree. I, I love what Snicker did. You know that I have been far heavier on the Snickers, a good manager than you have. Um, but I think he I think he's done a really nice job down there. And I thought this is just another example of of having control of your baseball team like we've talked about and, and setting accountability. I mean, Cunha is the best player on that team, and he sat his ass down, and I I respected it. I thought that, you know, and look, I, I get it. Not everyone responds to that. Everyone responds, every human is different. People respond to different things differently. Some people need to be yelled at for it to work. Some people need to be treated with respect for it to work. Like, everyone is different, but on a macro level, you have 25 guys in that locker room that you have to be able to command their respect. You have to, if nothing else, they need to respect you and they need to listen to you when it really matters. And I think that there are enough guys in that clubhouse who if you don't do that type of stuff, even if that player isn't the guy who's going to maybe best respond from it. Maybe we know Gene Segura is just a guy who's maybe never going to care if he gets benched or whatever, But it's for everyone else in that locker room that you have to do that. You have to set that tone. You have to set that level of accountability. And you have to say, listen, you guys have to listen to me. I'm in charge. You know, Whether or not sitting you this particular day is going to change it for you, it's going to show everyone else in this locker room that you just can't do whatever you want when you want to do it. You can't just loaf it to first base. That doesn't cut it. We're trying to play winning baseball here. And there has to be a tone that's set. So I really... I thought it was a really good move by Snicker, and I think it's, like you said, I think it's going to make Acuna better, and I think it's going to make that team better, and it's going to make them respect their manager, and they're all going to feel like they're in it together. And I, I think it does all those things, and I, I agree. I don't know if we'll ever see Kapler do it. Um, Fritzi, what else is in the note bag before we uh, look ahead to what's coming up this week and get... Final thoughts and all that good stuff.
0: Well, unless it's Franco. Like he'll 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 make an example out of Franco.
1: Right, no, right? I of course. The one guy who they end up setting the minors who like clearly he's just knows he's not good and doesn't care.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I guess I'll just Nah, I'll say the f I'll say the final thoughts. My my one note bag thought that I think is interesting.
1: All right, quickly then, uh just to kind of get it exact like we talked about before, again, it they're not going on a run is the official position of the high pod because why should we ever logically believe it? Jack will talk himself into it when they win game one against Boston and Nola repeats his Fenway oh. performance. <laughs> Nola Nolan Fenway is good,
0: but Nola um, and Fenway is like, I'm rushing home. Very to ready to for watch that. that very
1: ready for that. So, uh, two in Boston, Tuesday, Wednesday, then another off day a two off day week this late in the season. You don't see that often, but off Monday and, and Thursday, then, In Miami for three, obviously. Those are must-win games. Uh, Home versus Pittsburgh for three. Home versus the Mets for three. Then four in Cincinnati, three in New York. That takes you through September 8th, and then it gets hard. Then they have Atlanta and Boston and Atlanta and Cleveland and Washington. Then they finish out with the Marlins. So it's a really tough September schedule. If they're going to do anything, it has to happen over the next three weeks. It has to.
0: Well, I'm very glad that we're going into that stretch run with uh, Smiley Vargas Velasquez. <laughs> i like, just. I feel great. And Mike Morin and that. Jared Hughes uh, and and Blake
1: Parker. Let's go.
0: But Charlie's back and everything's fixed. So. Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, um. So. Uh, they, I They need I to start
1: winning. Is the point.
0: I would say. I would say that's very nice to have two off days in a week uh, and get you guys rested for the stretch run. But that would be me believing in this team <laughs> in a stretch like, run. Right. So, um, and also. I will
1: say to the point before, for what it's worth, if you're going to, let's inject a, the tiniest bit of, of optimism in here. This will be the first off day since Charlie's been here and the first two off days since Charlie's been here. So, you know, it it may be more of a chance for Charlie to work with the guys and maybe implement some things that they have an off day to think about or have some time to kind of get right. So, you know.
0: Is he gonna work with Velasquez? And <laughs> is, is that a part of the plan, or <laughs> yeah, just gonna yeah. stick with that? And also, like when you honestly, when you said uh, when he said the Nationals, I like a shiver went down my spine because I saw they scored thirty runs in two games. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they, oh yeah, they did. They've been putting in some work. Also, Mike Mustak is up to thirty home runs in the season, but. Uh, oh, he's the same Franco, same player, same player, same guy, Franco,
1: same guy. All right, Fritz, what's your uh, what's your final note bag? Final thought here.
0: All right, my final thought is that um, like the the plan versus Bryce is is super interesting right now, and it's getting like why why I think Bryce is kind of taken off in a way. And why I think he was struggling so much early was obviously it came down to fastballs and he could not hit fastballs. So guys were just able to overpower him. And what I noticed a lot this weekend against the Padres was um, they, would, they would throw him a lot of early off-speed pitches. And I think that is just showing a level of respect to Bryce as saying, like, if you throw me a fastball, I'm probably going to tee off on it. Like um, the home run he hit, the first two pitches in that at bat, it was, it was change up, change up. And I was sitting here, and I was like, "If he gets a fastball, like he's just he's just not going to miss it." And for Bryce to get back to the point to where that he can, he is finally teeing off on fastballs. I think is absolutely huge. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, it, it it feels like it feels like Oo is automatically a curveball or off-speed because he's been so aggressive in those counts, which is fine. Because if they throw him a fastball, he's he's just not gonna miss it. So um, it's been nice to see see pitchers actually afraid to throw to Bryce. I would say for the fa- of the last like week, I've seen pitchers like not feel comfortable throwing a fastball to Bryce Harper, and for Bryce Harper to get back to that stamp or back to that um, ability, I think is just massive for the rest of the season and hopefully into the off season. And we we talked about this a good amount that. When, he de- when you don't have a, a, a spring training and you can't see fastballs you can't see live pitching it takes you a while to, to readjust to that and uh, I was I was worried that at 26 maybe his well, actually I wasn't really worried but there was people that were worried that at 26 that his skills were diminishing um, and he wasn't he wasn't able to catch up to fastballs anymore I'm glad those fears have been qualmed a little bit um, and I just think that now he's get to, he's gotten to the point to where he, he is now out thinking pitchers. And he knows that if they go fastball, I'm not going to miss it. So, um, yeah, I good to see this continuing for Bryce, and I think it's only going to lead to more.
1: You heard it here first: 2020 National League MVP Bryce Harper. That was. Oh, uh, that's go. what Jack was trying to say there.
0: Yes. Um, yes. All
1: right, my final thought first: rate and review the podcast. It makes Jack so happy. So please do it for him, and I'm just going to do it again. Thank you to everyone who came out to High Ops Night. I I. I Humbled is the word. I I can't think of a better word to tell you just how humbled Jack and I are that a anyone listens to us, b anyone actually comes to a game to hang out with us, and then see that everyone was actually awesome people and like really fun to hang out with, and just um it was it was just an awesome night, and we are so grateful to to this community that's developed here, and and to all the awesome listeners of this pod because like Jack said, it's a bunch of smart. Baseball fans who love baseball And who are just good people And I think that's personally the kind of community I want to be a part of So to see it in action And to get to meet so many people um, Just made me so excited to be a part of it And to be able to help foster it And all that And, and it made me excited for the next High Hopes Night And the next and all the awesome stuff we're going to do So uh, with that in mind uh, Hopefully the Phillies can be close to as fun <laughs> As High Hopes Night was
0: for the rest of the season, so. Uh, oh, and I, one more thing I wanted to add. In. Yes, later uh, on. I, mean, I feel like we to talk a little minor leagues real quick.
1: Oh uh, yeah, buddy. i my son's surprised my, it took this long.
0: My sons up in Williamsport are just absolutely taking off. There's a uh, Stott Simmons crew. Oh my god, I've I, I I never lied to the High Hopes listeners. You know that it's what it's what I rest my laurels on. Um, so I started thinking about uh Bryson Stott at shortstop. Kendall Simmons at third base, Baum in left field. There, if, if Baum can't stick at third base, move Kendall over there. Kendall Simmons, uh, he homered today, but before today, entering into today's game, last 15 games, 373 batting average, 460 OEP, 882 slugging, 1,300 Is good? OPS. Is that good? Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it coincides with Jason O'Chart being up there. I mean, it's mm. he he, mm. he he was up there 15 games ago and thinking man look emoji. What, mm. Look what look what it's turned into. Um, so shout out to Ochart for just fixing everyone and uh the Kendall Simmons, Bryson Stott, future left side of the infield, Bowman left field, Kingery at second base. It's all coming together beautifully.
1: There it is on brand. We needed yes. that. We needed that high hopes night combined with the future. That's what we needed. All right. uh, Again, thank you to everyone who came out. Thank you to everyone who listens. And uh, I look forward to the next one, which is going to be awesome. And we'll meet even more people. And have a blast. All right. uh, We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, he's Fritz. I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you guys later.